All right. Amen. <clears throat> well, we're there in Isaiah chapter number 22. And like I've already announced tonight, we are starting a uh, series called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Christians. And tonight is an introductory sermon. And the sermon is entitled Inside Out. And uh, we're, we're going to start with the seven habits um, at our next service on Sunday morning. Uh, but I'm going to be preaching through this series uh, not weekly, but I'm just going to be preaching through this every time that we have a service. So Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, etc. And the series is based on a book, a very well-known book, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And this uh, book is uh, more of a business book. Uh, to help people be effective and be successful, but it is based, there's a lot of uh, scriptural uh, things in the book, and there's a lot of scriptural truths, and I want you to know that the, the, the sermon series is kind of based off the book, but of course I'm preaching from the Word of God, so I'm going to be giving you truths from the Bible. I'm going to be reading portions from the book, but I don't want you to get the wrong idea. If you read this book, you'll notice that my sermons are going to be very different uh, than what this uh, book is like, but I thought it was an interesting idea, and the seven habits I found as I was reading through it, the seven habits I found principles in the Bible that agreed with these habits, so I decided to do a series on it, and uh, I want to begin here in Isaiah 22. If you look at verse number Eight, the Bible says this, and he discovered the covering of Judah, and thou didst look in that day to the armor of the house of the forest. Ye have seen also the breaches of the city of David, that they are many, and ye have gathered together the waters of the lower pool, and ye have numbered the houses of Jerusalem, and the houses have ye broken down to fortify the wall. And what I want you to notice is that in this passage, we find Jerusalem, the city, it was under attack. And in order to create an appearance of strength and security, they actually began to break down the houses in the city in order to build up the walls of the city. If you look at verse 10 again there, it says, and you have numbered the houses of Jerusalem and the houses have you broken down to fortify the wall. So the enemy is outside of the city, and again, they, they want to look strong, they want to look secure, so they begin to break down the houses inside of the city in order to build up the houses have you broken down to fortify the wall. Now what's interesting is this, that a city is not an, an exterior wall. A city is not a wall. A city is the houses, the families, the people that are gathered inside of that city. A city is the interior dwellings of that city. The wall is just an exterior wall that is there to protect what's on the inside. But these people actually began to break down what actually made them a city, the houses that made them a city, in order to put up this front of strength and security. And what we see here is an illustration of how many Christians live their lives. And many Christians will do this where they will build up the exterior at the expense of the interior. And that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about this idea of inside out. Now, like I said, this this, uh, series is based on uh, this book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and I'm going to read to you a little bit from it. Keep your place there in Isaiah, if you would. We're going to come back to it. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew. And while you turn there, I'm going to read to you a story. It's a little bit lengthy, but I'm going to read to you a story 
from this book, uh, written, of course, by Stephen Covey, and um, it'll kind of just set us up for the idea and the thought and the truth in the sermon tonight. So I'll read this to you quickly. You turn to the book of Matthew, if you would. In the book he wrote this, he said, A few years ago, my wife Sandra and I were struggling with this kind of concern. One of our sons was having a very difficult time in school. He was doing poorly academically. He didn't even know how to follow the instructions on the test, let alone do well on them. Socially, he was immature, often embarrassing those closest to him. Athletically, he was small, skinny, and uncoordinated, swinging his baseball bat, for example, almost before the ball was even pitched. Others would laugh at him. Sandra and I were consumed with a desire to help him. We felt that if success were important in any area of life, it was supremely important in our role as parents. So we worked on our attitudes and behaviors toward him, and we tried to work on his We attempted to psych him up using positive mental attitude techniques. Come on, son, you can do it. We know you can. Put your hands a little higher on the bat and keep your eyes on the ball. Don't swing till it gets close to you. And if he did a little better, we would go to great lanes to reinforce him. That's good, son. Keep it up. When others laughed, we reprimanded them. Leave him alone. Get off his back. He's just learning. And our son would cry and insist that he'd never be any good and that he didn't like baseball anyway. Nothing we did seemed to help, and we were really worried. We could see the effect this was having on his self-esteem. We tried to be encouraging and helpful and positive, but after repeated failure, we finally drew back and tried to look at the situation on a different level. He goes on to say this, we began to realize that what we were doing to help our son was not in harmony with the way we really saw him. When we honestly examined our deepest feelings, we realized that our perception was that he was basically inadequate, somehow behind. No matter how much we worked on our attitude and behavior, our efforts were ineffective because despite our actions and our words, what we really communicated to him was, you, are, you aren't capable. You have to be protected. We began to realize that if we wanted to change the situation, we first had to change ourselves. And we're going to come back to the story uh, later on at the end of the sermon, but I kind of wanted to just begin by giving that story by way of introduction. And what I want to talk about tonight, I'm going to give you three statements, and I'd like you to write these down. And I want to begin with this idea of inside out. And when we say inside out, what we mean by that is this, that change must come from the inside. If you are going to succeed in life, if you're going to win in life, if you're going to be what God has called you to be in life, it must begin from the inside and it must work itself out. I want to give you three thoughts in regards to this and I'd like you to write these down. If you're there in Matthew, go to Matthew chapter 23 and look at verse number 25. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 23 and verse 25. The Bible says this, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Here's point number one tonight. It's this. We tend to focus on the exterior over the interior. As human beings and in our lives, we tend to put the focus, the energy of our lives on the exterior over the interior. And if you need an illustration for this, just look at Facebook. Just look at social media. 
Just look at, uh, you know, these platforms that are designed to show people not necessarily who we really are, but who we project ourselves as, how we want to be seen, how we want people to see us. And we generally, as human beings, tend to focus on the exterior over the interior. And even even not just on social media, even in, in person, you know, in church, it's very uh, common to come to church and dress nice and, and try to look the part and try to act like you're maybe more spiritual than you really are. And I realize that we should, uh, you know, act appropriately and that we shouldn't just put all of our uh, issues and sin out there for people to see. But what I want you to notice and what I want you to understand is this. Don't assume that the exterior is an accurate reflection of the interior. Don't assume that what you see from the outside is necessarily an accurate reflection of what's actually in the inside. This is what Jesus is saying about these Pharisees. He says, you may clean the outside of the cup of the pla- and, the, and of the platter. He says, but within, they are full of extortion and excess. He says, on the outside, you look clean, you look religious, you look pure, but on the inside, you've got extortion. Distortion, you've got excess. Look at verse number 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says you're a hypocrite because what, what, you, what you portray on the outside is different than what's actually going on on the inside. He says, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers. What's a sepulcher? It's a small room in which a dead person is laid or buried. It's a, it's a place where they would put a dead body. And he says, you know, you are like a whited sepulcher because if you go down uh, to a funeral home, if you would look at one of these sepulchers, you'd see a nice fancy building, a beautiful building with all sorts of uh, decorations and it'd be nicely done. He says, look, this is what you're like. You're like a whited sepulcher, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones. He says, when you look at a sepulcher, you look at a building and it's beautiful and it's nice and it has decorations and engravings. But you know, if you were to open it up, you know what you find on the inside? You'd find dead men's bones. You'd find a corpse, you'd find a dead body, and all uh, and of all uncleanness. And Jesus said about the Pharisees, that's what you are. You are like a whited sepulchre, which indeed appear to be beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones. Notice verse 28. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. He said, look, on the outside you look righteous, but on the inside you're full of sin. You're full of hypocrisy. You're full of iniquity. So don't assume that the exterior is an accurate reflection of the interior because we tend, here's point number one, we tend to focus on the exterior over the interior. Go to the book of Galatians, if you would. Galatians chapter number six. You're there in the book of Matthew, so just go Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians chapter number 6. See, a true exterior, a true exterior of strength, a true exterior of righteousness, a true exterior of whatever is actually on the inside, what we portray on the outside being actually found on the inside, a true exterior must take deep root in the interior. The problem is not with looking righteous on the outside. The problem is with looking righteous on the inside when inside you are full of excess and iniquity. 
The, the, the problem is not with looking good on the outside. The problem is not the city of Jerusalem. There was no problem with them having a beautiful wall on the outside. The problem was when they tried to portray strength and prosperity on the outside, when if you would have looked in, you would have seen a bunch of broken down, a bunch of burnt down houses. See, the strength must truly come from the inside. True, a true exterior must take deep root in the interior. This is taught in the Bible as the concept of reaping and sowing. Life is all about reaping and sowing. Are you there in Galatians 6? Look at verse 7. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He says, look, you cannot deceive God. You cannot, you can, he said, you can go ahead and deceive yourself, but you cannot deceive God. He said, you're not going to mock at God. He said, there is a law that God has put in place called the law of reaping and sowing. And he says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And look, the law of reaping and sowing, it's neither good nor bad. It's not like it's a positive law or a negative law. It's just a law. It could be positive and it could be negative. If you sow good things, you'll reap good things. If you sow bad things, you'll reap bad things. It's just a law that God has put in place where he says, For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Notice verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. He says, look, you can sow to your flesh or you can sow to the Spirit. But what you sow is what you'll reap. You, uh, if you sow to your flesh, you'll reap corruption. If you flow, uh, sow to the Spirit, you'll reap life everlasting. Or he says, you'll reap in that which is eternal, in that which is spiritual. Then he says this in verse 9. He says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, in your life, whatever it is that you reap in life, what do you want in life? You know, if, if you were to ask somebody, hey, what do you want in life? I think most Christian conservative people would say, well, you know, if they're married, they're going to say, I want to have a good marriage. If they have children, I know they're going to say, I want my children to turn out right. You know, if you ask, what do you want in regards to your finances? Your, people aren't going to say, well, I, I want to go bankrupt. They're going to say, I want to succeed financially, you know, uh, by, by the grace of God, with the help of God. If you ask people about, what about your health? You know, I want to be healthy. Nobody says, I want to have diabetes. Nobody says, I want to have a heart attack. People say, I want to be healthy, and I want to be healthy enough to uh, be able to live a, a life that is pleasing to the Lord, to be able to enjoy my family, to uh, you know, live long enough to, to invest into my children and grandchildren, maybe great-grandchildren. See, when it comes to life, uh, we all have this idea of what kind of fruit we would like to see. But here's what the Apostle Paul is teaching. You will reap what you sow. So if you want a healthy life, but yet you're sowing, smoking cigarettes every day. Hey, you cannot deceive God. You're not going to just mock at God and say, well, uh, I'm sowing certain things and I'm hoping to reap something differently. I'll read to you a little portion from this book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says this. He says, it's like cramming your way through school. You sometimes get by, perhaps even get good grades. But if you don't pay the price in and day out, you never achieve true mastery of the subject of the subjects you study or develop an educated mind. Did you ever consider how ridiculous it would be to try to cram on a farm, to forget to plant in the spring, 
play all summer and then cram in the fall to bring in the harvest. The farm is a natural system. The price must be paid and the process followed. You always reap what you sow. There is no shortcut. And in life, there is no shortcut. We tend to focus on the exterior over the interior. But the truth is that a strong exterior must flow from a deep-rooted interior. And whatever area, however you want to apply this in life, we must focus on the interior. Point number one, we tend to focus on the exterior over the interior. Here's point number two. Keep your uh, uh, place there and go, go back to the book of Isaiah, if you would, Isaiah 22. Point number two is this. Our problems are a result of the interior, not the exterior. Our problems. And look, you fill in the blank. If somebody were to ask you, what are your problems in life? You could come up with the list. You, for some people, it might say, well, I have marriage problems. The biggest problems in my life right now are in my marriage. For some people, it might be child-rearing. The biggest problem in my life is with my kids and trying to raise them right. You know, for some people, it would be their health. For others, it would be their finances. For others, it might be their career. For others, it might be their spiritual life. You know, my spiritual life is not where it should be. When, when the question is asked, what is your problem, and you fill that question in, know this, that our problems are a result of the interior, not the exterior. See, because we tend to focus on the exterior over the interior, we also tend to think that if we build up the exterior, that'll solve all our problems. And the reason we think that is because of this. We think build up the exterior because the problems are out there. No one ever thinks to themselves the problems are right here, are inside. We always think, when we think of our problems, we think our problems are out there. Are you there in Isaiah 22? Look at verse 10. Notice what the uh, city of Jerusalem is doing. And ye have numbered the houses together, and the houses have ye broken down to fortify the wall. See, the exterior looks strong, but there really was no inner strength. They said, build up the exterior... Because the problem, they would say, is that Babylonian military, is that Assyrian military out there, it's the enemy out there, build up the exterior because the problem is out there. What they didn't realize was, no, the problem was actually inside. The problem was them. The problem was God bringing judgment upon them. And in your life, look, please understand this, our spiritual problems are an inside problem. Your marriage problems are an inside problem. Your child-rearing problems are an inside problem. Your ministry problem, whatever, it is, your, your, whatever problems you have in life, they are an inside problem. Go to the book of Romans, if you would. Romans chapter number 2. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 2. While you turn there, I'll read to you another little excerpt from this book. It says this, Most people are convinced that their problem is out there. And if they, meaning others, would shape up or suddenly ship out of existence, the problem would be solved. See, most people think our problems are just out there. And look, we fall, we fall into this type of thinking. You have financial problems, and you think, well, if, if I could just get X amount of dollars, my problems would be solved. But the, here's the thing, if somebody gave you that money, it wouldn't solve your problems. In fact, there's been studies done of people who won the lottery, who were broke and bad with their finances. They won millions of dollars, and guess what? Just a few years later, they're broke, and they're bankrupt. You say, why? Because the problem was never on the outside. It was on the inside. 
The problems that you and I have are on the inside. And this is why in the Bible, the emphasis of Scripture is always to work on the inside, not the outside. Romans chapter 2, are you there? Look at verse 28. Let's just run a few verses. Romans chapter number 2 and verse 28. Notice what the Apostle Paul said. He said, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of man, but of God. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 4 if you would. You're there in Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 16. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. The Bible says this, For which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Go to Ephesians chapter 3, if you would. You're there in 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians three sixteen. The Bible says this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with my, by his spirit, in the inner man. See, the Bible puts the emphasis on the inside, not the outside. The Bible put, now the Bible doesn't ignore the outside. In fact, we're going to talk about the outside here in a minute. But the emphasis in scripture is on the inner man. The emphasis in scripture, it says, though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Hey, he's not a Jew which is one outwardly. He says, uh, uh, that which is of the circumcision was outward in the flesh. He says he's a Jew which is one Inwardly. Go to First Peter chapter 3, if you would. First Peter chapter 3, towards the end of the New Testament. If you start the book of Revelation and head back, you have the book of Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd and 1st Peter. First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. And look at verse number 3. This is talking to ladies, but this can be applied to everybody. In First Peter 3, 3, he says this, Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning, of plating the hair, and of wearing of gold, and of putting on of apparel. He says, look, ladies, don't let just the focus be on the outward, how you look on the outward. Verse 4, he says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. See, the Bible puts the emphasis on, on the inside, on the interior. And we tend to think, no, no, all the problems are on the outside. If you uh, do marriage counseling, you'll often find that couples will come in and they'll tell you all about the problem with her, the problem with him. People always want to tell you, know, well, if my husband did this, if my husband did that, if they fix this problem, if they fix that problem, we'd be fine. You know, if my wife would do this, if my wife would do that, if they would fix this problem, if she would fix that problem, we'd have no problem. And see, we always get this idea, the problem is them. If you have kids that are fighting, you know, you bring them into the room, what's going on? She did this, he did that. Everyone always assumes, just by nature, we think the problem is on the outside. And what God says is, look, you must start from the inside. I said, number one, we tend to focus on the exterior over the interior. I said, number two, our problems, our problems are a result of the interior, not the exterior. We think, build up the exterior because the problems are out there. But God says, no, work on the interior. Work on the interior. Go to the book of Matthew, if you would. Matthew 23, we were there earlier. Matthew chapter 23. 
And let me give you point number three. Here's point number three. To be successful, to be successful, we must focus on the interior, not the exterior. To be successful, we must focus on the interior, not the exterior. And I want, I want to be clear about this. I don't want you to take this sermon as, oh, God doesn't care about the outside. God very much cares about the outside. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about the exterior. The Bible talks a lot about how we look and how we dress. The Bible tells us how men should dress. The Bible tells us, God tells you how long he wants your hair to be. He tells us that men should have uh, short hair and that ladies should have long hair. He tells us that uh, men should put on breeches and pants. And he talks about modesty. He talks about how we dress. He, says, he talks about how uh, we look. He tells us to abstain from the appearance of evil. God very much cares about the outside, but God wants us to begin with the inside. Remember the Pharisees? Matthew 23, we read verses 25, 27, and 28, but look down at verse number 26, Matthew 23, and verse number 26. He said this, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first. Now notice, he doesn't say cleanse only. He says, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter. Then he says this, that the outside of them may be clean also. So notice, he doesn't say, well, cleanse the inside and don't worry about the outside. Because isn't that what the liberal churches tell us today? Oh, don't worry about the outside. You can look like the world. You can look like you're worldly. You can look like a Christian hip-hop band. You can look like a Christian rock band. As long as you're right in the inside. But what the Bible says is this. Hey, cleanse first that which is in the cup and the platter. And then he says that the outside of them may be clean also. See, the truth is this. And this is what Jesus is teaching and he's getting at. He's saying, look, the inside will always work itself out. You cannot clean up the inside without cleaning up the outside. Do you understand what I just said? The inside will always work itself out. But the outside does not work itself in. See, here's the truth. You cannot have a young person that's right with God in their heart and not have that work itself out in their appearance, in their attitude, in in the way that they live their life. You can't have a Christian who's right with God, who has cleaned up the inside and have that not spill out in the outside. But you can force someone to clean up the outside. And they, they, you know, if it's if it's a kid and they're being forced to by their parents, if it's a wife that's being forced to by her husband or a husband that's being forced to by his wife, you know, you can force someone to do outside outwardly things, but just because you force them on the outside doesn't mean that they've gone right on the inside. See, the inside will work itself out. Jesus says, look. You just worry about cleaning the inside and don't worry about the outside because if you clean the inside, the outside will be clean as well. But if you only focus on the outside, then the inside will not be cleaned up. Go to the book of Philippians, if you would. Philippians chapter number 2. If you kept your place in Ephesians, just right after Ephesians, you have the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter number 2. See, the truth is this. If you want to be successful in life, if you want to be effective in life, if you want to live life to its fullest, to its max capacity, to its efficiency, Jesus said, you know, the thief cometh 
to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. God wants you to live the abundant life. God wants you to live the effective life. God wants you to live the successful life. You say, that's the life that I want. Well, you must understand that the life of success must begin, the, the, the work of a Christian must begin from the inside out. That's the only way to do it. Let me read to you from uh, this book, one of the lines here. He wrote this, Albert Einstein observed, the significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them. He goes on to say this, if you want to be trusted, be trustworthy. He says this, the inside-out approach says that private victories precede public victories. And here's what he's saying. If, if you created problems, you have problems in your marriage, you have problems with your finances, you have problems in your spiritual life, you have problems with your kids. He said, if, if you created problems, then you cannot solve the problems at the same level in which you create them. You're going to have to grow. You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to do something different. Philippians chapter 2, are you there? Look at verse 12. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, the Bible says this, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Notice his words. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, sometimes as fundamentalists, we shy away from this verse. Because this verse is often used by people, uh, they take it out of context, and they try to prove a work salvation. Because he says, work out your own salvation. They'll say, see, you've got to work in order to be saved. Look, the Bible's clear, for by grace you're saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. The Bible says, not of works of righteousness, which we have done. Look, the Bible's clear that salvation is a gift. It's not something we earn. It's not something we work for. Here, he's not talking to somebody that he's trying to get them saved, and he said, work out. Look, if he's saying, work it out, it's because it's already it. And what he's saying is, look, yes, salvation is free. It's a gift that God gives you. You call upon him for salvation. You believe in your heart. Once you got the Holy Spirit inside of you, hey, you have it inside of you. And here's what you need to understand. When it comes to the spiritual, it's always from the inside out. Salvation is inside working out. I mean, if you listen to false religions, false religions are always going to tell you, no, salvation is on the outside working in. I live a good life. That's outside. I repent of my sins. That's outside. I get baptized. That's outside. I go to church. That's outside. I, I, you know, I, I take holy communion. That's outside. Hey, if I, if I, if I believe that salvation is from the outside working in, you're going to die and go to hell. The Bible says salvation is not of works. I become a member at church. That's outside. But see, salvation is inside and it ought to work itself out. Salvation is something that we're told, hey, work out your own salvation. By the way, it's not just salvation. Spirituality. We already talked about it. It's inside working out. You don't become spiritual by doing outside things. You don't become spiritual by dressing a certain way, by doing certain things. You become spiritual by getting right with God in your heart. And when you get right with God in your heart and you begin to walk in the Holy Spirit of God, hey, the outside, you clean up the inside and the outside will begin to get cleaned up as well. Salvation is inside working out. Spirituality is inside working out. Sanctification is inside working out. But you know what? In life, success is inside working out. He says, work out 
your own salvation with fear and trembling. Go, go back to the book of Isaiah, if you would. Isaiah chapter 22. Isaiah chapter 22. Look at verse 10. He says, You have numbered the houses of Jerusalem, and the houses ye have broken down to fortify the wall. Ye made also a ditch between the two walls for the water of the old pool, but ye have not looked unto the maker thereof, neither had respect unto him that fashioned it long ago. And in that day the Lord God of hosts called to weeping and to mourning and to baldness and to girding with sackcloth. And I want you to notice what Isaiah is emphasizing here. He's saying, look, you are so concerned with looking a certain way. You've broken down the houses to fortify the wall. He says, you made also a ditch between the two walls for the water of the old pool. He says, you want to make sure you have enough water for the siege that's coming. He says, he says but you know what your real problem is? Your real problem is that you have not looked unto the maker thereof. He said, the God that gave you this city, the God that gave you that water, the God that gave you this place, he said, you're so concerned and looking like you have what you need. He said, you ought to be concerned on the inside. But you have not looked unto the maker thereof, neither had respect unto him that fashioned it long ago. He says, he says in verse 12, you know what you ought to do is get right with God. And in that day that the Lord God of hosts called to weeping and to mourning and to baldness and to girding with sackcloth. He says, you ought to humble yourself. Here's what Isaiah is saying. He's saying, you're so concerned about the outside, you ought to worry about the inside. Because the true work, the real work, comes from the inside out. I began the sermon by reading to you from this story from Stephen Covey, talking about these problems that they were having with their son and how they were trying to influence them from the outside in. They're trying to encourage him and manipulate him. And of course, in a loving way and in a positive way, but they were really manipulating him to be who he became. I want to end by reading you the end of the story. Here's what he says. He says, Through deep thought and the exercise of faith and prayer, We began to see our son in terms of his own uniqueness. We saw him within layers and layers of potential that would be realized at his own pace and speed. We decided to relax and get out of his way and let his own personality emerge. We saw our natural role as being to affirm, enjoy, and value him. We also consciously worked on our motives and cultivated internal sources of security so that our own feelings of worth were not dependent on our children's acceptable behavior. We loosened up our old perceptions of our son and developed value-based motives. New feelings began to emerge. We found ourselves enjoying him instead of comparing or judging him. We stopped trying to clone him in our image or measure him against social expectations. We stopped trying to kindly, positively manipulate him into an acceptable social mold because we saw him as fundamentally adequate and able to cope with life. We stopped protecting him against the ridicule of others. He goes on to say this. As the weeks and months passed, he began to feel a quiet confidence, and affirmed himself. He began to blossom as 
at his own pace and speed. He became outstanding as measured by standard social criteria, academically, socially, and athletically, at a rapid clip far beyond the so-called natural developmental process. As the years passed, he was elected to several student body leadership positions, developed into an all-state athlete, and started bringing home straight-A report cards. He developed an engaging and guileless personality that has enabled him to relate in non-threatening ways to all kinds of people. Sandra and I believe that our son's socially impressive accomplishments were not were more a serendipitous expression of the feelings he had about himself than merely a response to social reward. And as we begin this series that we're going to dig into over the next several weeks, I just want to ask you this question, and it's this. What if you found out that all your problems in life, whatever those problems are, whether they're with your kids, your marriage, your finances, your health, your career, your job, your business, spirituality. What if you found out that all the problems in life that you are experiencing were actually a problem with you? What if you found out that every problem in life could be fixed by you giving up the idea that you must work on your wife, you must work on your husband, you must work on your children, you must work on your boss, you must work to manipulate those around you and make them do what you need because the problem is outside. What if you found out that you could fix every problem from the inside out? And over the next several weeks, over the next several services, excuse me, uh, we're going to learn some biblical truths. I'm going to give you seven biblical truth, seven habits that you can develop to have an effective Christian life. And these habits are divided into two sections. In the first section, we're going to begin with what we call private victories. We're going to talk about your private life. We're going to talk about the inside man and developing the inside man and making sure you're healthy on the inside. Then we're going to begin to talk about public victories and things that you can do on the outside in order to succeed in all your relationships, to succeed in all the areas that God has given you. But before we can begin to dig into those seven habits, we have to begin by understanding this idea that it all all starts from the inside out. So when you think of your problems, when you think about your issues, when you think about whatever it is, what's bothering you about your life, and you say, you know, I just, I just need to fix this, and if, and if she would only, or if he would only, or if they would only, or if this would happen, if you begin to realize that the Bible says, hey, focus on the inside, that the Bible says, work on the inner man, that the Bible says, Work out your own salvation that the Bible says that you can fix all your problems from the inside out. If you realize that the problem is you, then you would be encouraged. You say, that's a very discouraging. I'm the problem. Well, here's the encouraging thing about knowing that you're the problem. Because you know why you're frustrated? You know why you're frustrated with your kids? You know why you're frustrated with your spouse? You know why you're frustrated with your employer, with your boss, you're with your neighbor? You know why you're frustrated? Here's why. Because you can't control them. The encouraging thing about saying, hey, I'm the problem, the encouraging part of understanding that is this, that you have control over you. And you can begin to live the effective, abundant life that God has called you to live from the inside 
out. So I hope you'll join us over the next several services as we learn and we study these habits to live the effective Christian life. Let's bow here tonight with a prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, thank you for allowing us to be able to have this time. Lord, I realize that this is not necessarily what we want, these live stream services, but Lord, it's, it's what we have and we're thankful for it. And we're going to learn to be content in whatever state we find ourselves. And Lord, I pray that everybody listening uh, would take heed to what's been said, Lord. We must focus on the inside. That we must work out our own salvation. That the answers to all our problems are really from the inside out. And Lord, I pray that we would learn that, we would grasp that, that we would embrace that, and that we would begin to live our lives in that capacity. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to have Brother RJ come up and lead us in a final song.